Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 89 Ashira the Bear Folk Herbalist. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Alyssa Vischer's table in the Levitating Platter. Hello everyone! And welcome to another exciting week's episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests, the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind the Mastercraft of Beard Balms game design and community building. You know he's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can, apply it to your face, smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony's collaborated and developed several other projects that you can play this holiday season, including Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, The Santicide Squad, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing. If you support Plus One EXP either by buying something on their website or going to tonyplus1.itch.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I'd highly encourage you go follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, including interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other amazing TTRPGs. If you don't mind, go on over to plus1exp.com, and when you see a box for an affiliate code discount savings, type in the word Randolph when you're buying a Beard Bomb or a Beard RPG in order to get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code is Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. Well, after that exciting ad read from Plus One EXP, I'm happy to introduce our mystery contestant today. Hello, would you care to introduce yourself? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Hello, uh, I'm Alyssa Vischer. I am a disabled neurodivergent mother of four, um, and I'm also a freelancer in the community. I write articles for D&D Beyond occasionally, as well as you know other, other random places, and I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I think actually earlier today on Twitter, I saw you got to write an article on playing an evil aligned character. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. That was a fun article to write. Yeah. Hearing crafting about evil. Oh, okay. 
And uh, you also just published your first adventure on the DMs Guild. Is that correct? Yes, I did. It's called Fate's Lingering Shadow. It has hit silver already and has gotten great reviews. So it's a little under five bucks. It's wow. about exploration and, you know, poking things with a stick because that's what I like to do. And mainly how you came upon my radar screen is that on Twitter, where I follow you and found uh, your interactions, um, you like to go into these long threads and you like to really critically think about Dungeons and Dragons and explore these other areas and other topics like you were mentioning earlier with your adventure uh, is primarily focused on exploration and, uh, you know, whether you're writing articles for, uh, you know, D&D Beyond. And so what has that been like and what kind of um, feedback and response have you received in taking to Twitter and sharing your thoughts, as it were, as dangerous as that can be sometimes. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. I feel like I'm still reeling from the last year or so because I just, I, I was in a vehicle accident in uh, June of 2020, shortly after the pandemic, which, you know, already changed everybody's lives. And then I was in a vehicle accident and things were pretty, pretty not great in my life for, for a while. And so I was just sort of found outlet on Twitter. I've, I've been on Twitter for a lot of years, but I, I started talking more and more about D&D. And so it just sort of snowballed from there. And, you know, two years later, here I am writing and doing this now as a professional and, and getting, you know, real jobs. So I really enjoy digging into topics and really trying to take aside all of the things that sort of distract sometimes and get into the meat of it mm -hmm. and, and to especially examine it from like the perspective of new folks, especially because the hobby has changed in its like makeup so substantially over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of have your older folks who've been playing for so many years and are experts and then you have new folks. And I just really like to try to bridge that gap and sort of go, what are you know these multiple perspectives and how do we bring them together? So I started on Twitter and now have sort of moved to other places and my face is popping up in all kinds of all kinds of places. And so it's been really great. It's been really fun, but I'm still, you know, it's not like I woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to be a professional writer and I'm going to write for Dungeons and Dragons. It just sort of just sort of happened. And it's been, <laughs> you know, just really great. Really great. No complaints. No complaints. Yeah. Well, I think this is, as we say in the States, a softball question. Um, but do you currently or have you ever played D&D &D before? Yes. Um, <laughs> obviously, yes. That is definitely the softball, the softball question. I actually started with Adventures League. And mm. then I actually started DMing because we didn't have a lot. We were, we had uh, at this local game store, they were running a very sort of casual version of Adventures League. And we had this huge mix of like newbie players, completely new and like older folks and a lot of older folks who have like played second edition and haven't had groups to play with for a really long time. That sort of really interesting mix. And so I began DMing actually with only a few play sessions under my belt. Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of joined a couple of home groups, started my own. I run a West Marches style campaign, um, which was a really fun way. It's a great way to get a lot of DM experience with a whole pile of different players. Mm -hmm. um, and now I, I've taken a break from DME, but I am just beginning a Spelljammer campaign. I'm going to run the Light of Xerxes. I'm really excited about that because it's ridiculous and fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing in a Wild Beyond the Witchlight campaign right now um mm. bi-weekly online so um yes 
all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. I'm just, your enthusiasm is just reminding me of all your Twitter threads of when you're examining some of these books, like when you're going through the adventure books for spell jammers or you're going through, uh, you know, wild beyond the witch light and you're just like, look at this, this is so cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's just good times and good vibes. Yeah. I don't really do, you know, so I mean, I'm autistic and I have ADHD, so I don't, when I do something, I really do it, but also ADHD. I don't do things that are not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, you know, talking about something, it's because I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Always. Well, this podcast is focused on the questions of sidekicks and side quests. So our first one of these questions is, who is your favorite sidekick? Whether they're from a RPG video game, maybe they're from a piece of literature, a movie, a television show, etc. And why is this character your favorite sidekick or NPC? Oh my gosh. Um, I was thinking about that today and I, I thought that's just a really interesting question because I think in some ways, uh, so my favorite sidekick is probably going to be uh, Gabrielle from Xena Princess Warriors. And mm. I, this is, this is so silly, but it's just, I think one of my first introductions to sidekicks. I watched the show occasionally after school when I got home fast enough. I think I could only watch it on like early dismissal days or something silly like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think I just loved how totally like strong she was. And this idea of, it was one of the first times I really got to see uh, women being featured as being strong, competent superheroes, you know, mm-hmm. batteries, right? Just this, these really, really competent. And so I think like that just sticks out to me as this character who even just as a sidekick was so strong and competent and, um, but also like kind and um, well-rounded and yeah, I, it's it's kind of funny. I don't really know why that has stuck so like strongly with me all these years. I haven't watched the show in like, mm-hmm. I don't know, two decades probably. <laughs> but that was my first, you know, introduction really to this really strong female sidekick. And this female backing up this female, right? Like often when women are in sidekick roles, you know, we're often backing up a man. So we don't get to be the main character, but we get to be the sidekick. Whereas here you had this this dynamic of two, you know, strong women who were friends and had a close relationship and were both just incredible characters in their own right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, I remember Xena Warrior Princess from my younger days. So yeah, that would have been the 90s going into the early yes. 2000s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was just like, it was a cultural thing. It was just like, yeah, Xena Warrior yes. Princess. Yeah. And it was um, like a, a groundbreaking cultural thing at, at a lot of time in that there wasn't a lot of those things, you know, mm-hmm. sort of happening on TV and we didn't have, you know, I, I grew up in a tiny town, so there wasn't a lot of options for like cultural. You I know, didn't watch phenomenon. the show much myself, but I mean, I just remember it and yeah, every, you know, she had the circular ring thing and she'd like do a battle cry and she'd yes. like, you know, cut down villains and stuff like that. And and all yeah. that good stuff. I, just, I want to be just like her when I grow up. You know, yeah. I didn't, I looked more like Zena, but Gabrielle was just, she just looked, she just looked great. Yeah. Total badass. Yeah. And then same thing, or the other side of the coin, rather, what's been one of your favorite side quests, either from RPG, video game, movie, film, television, etc. And why has it been one of your favorite side quests? Yeah, I think I'm, I am really drawn to the side quests that are 
really like naturey and like foresty. So like a lot of like the like the video games I played, those are some of the the side quests that I actually play. A lot of the other ones I'll sort of just like skip. But like the ones that are like go into the deep forest and find these rare ingredients or visit my like hermit grandmother or that kind of a thing. Mm. Those are the ones that I love so much. I, you know, I play a lot of druids. I love druids. Um, I grew up in like a tiny town, but I grew up like on an acreage outside of town. So I was really like a country girl. So like, I just love the idea of like exploring the, like the countryside. Mm -hmm. So I think like just those genres of side quests, just sort of like, they're the ones that I'm like, I'm going to go do that one as opposed to like, oh, that one, that, I just wanted the main quest. Those yeah. Like I a... want to do. Forgive me, I haven't read it, but it may be like an Anne of Green Gables or something like yes. that. <laughs> yes, I read and watched much Anne of Green Gables. I'm also Canadian, so, you know, any any media which depicts Canada, you know. In a positive way, yeah. Around, which 99% yeah. it is all positive. And then you true, get the, the occasional reference to the Blame Canada song. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yep, got to blame Canada for something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then... To round out the personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? Uh, like a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Can that just be my answer? No, I think I sort of alluded to it before, but I'm really passionate about, I think, connecting people and bridging and understanding. I believe strongly that, you know, we are um, just as people, we're just these byproduct of a makeup of our individual experiences that are always so different and unique and interesting. And I am a big proponent of, you know, trying to look at like a nuanced version of things and trying to look at like a wider picture always. And so I think that is just something that I'm really passionate about is just bridging people and uh, creating connections and creating different understandings and, and learning more. Because even, you know, we talk about, I think often that, you know, in this world of social media, our world is so much larger, we're so much more connected than we used to be. And yes, we are, but even still now, our perspectives are still so tiny. They're still so small. And there, you know, there's so much, just just so much beautiful, incredible things that other people have. And that, you know, we would have no idea unless we sit down and have these conversations and get to know one another and, and ask deep questions. Um, and I, I love just, I love just being connected with people that I would never connect with, like, like you know, playing Adventurous League with, a lot of these like these older like these older generation guys who cut their teeth on second edition you know here mm -hmm. i am a you know young mom with you know coming into these these video game stores with you know all this completely different people that i would never generally hang out with other times and i learned so much from them so i'm just i think that really lights me on fire is just these ideas understanding and learning new ideas and perspectives from just a wide variety of people. Yeah. Also druids. I also really druids. like druids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've learned a lot about our guest here. So I think it's a perfect time to segue into a segment that I like to call NPC creation. NPC creation is brought to you by you the podcast audience, and our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time of the show where we would give a shout-out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, and my mom and dad, we say cheers. 
Again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. These three are my highest tier wealthy level patrons. So that means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables here in NPC creation, which we might get to hear those responses used here today. If you want to join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, check the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and side quests to find out more about our three tiers, one, two, four dollars a month, and help us to expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. This is NPC creation. So in this segment, obviously, we make up an NPC, but the question is, are we going to roll the dice randomly to make up an NPC, or do you have an idea that you have and you want to flesh out, or are we doing a combo of both, or what are we thinking? Possibly a combo. I was thinking about creating a, I, I said druids, I love druids. I was thinking about creating sort of uh, an old woman like gardener of eccentric things out in the wilderness. And I've got a bit of an idea. I want to sort of base her off of my current character. Okay. D&D character, but like an old version of her because I think she's amazing and she's so full of personality and life that I think everybody should meet her in, in the pretend world. Okay. All right. So it sounds like maybe the job or role of the character is already determined in the age range, but everything else you're kind of leaving up to chance, you think? Sure. Okay. All right. So if you've got your dice at the ready, virtual or otherwise, uh, the very first question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the name of our character? And we generate names randomly by rolling a d20. Ooh, let's do that. 13. 13. All right. Ah, your answer was provided by previous guest, Leah Murray. Ashira. A-S-H-I-R-A. Ashira. Okay. Ashira. All right, and unless you're settled on a particular ancestry of this character, if you want to generate one randomly, you can roll 2d10s or a d100, unless you already kind of know what uh, Ashira ought to be. No, I think there's lots of room. There's lots of room for a different ancestry, this one. Let's go 86. 86. Okay, interesting. All right, so... Bear folk or anything else that's from Cobalt Press. So I really like the bear folk that uh, yeah. Cobalt Press have developed for 5e. And so I've incorporated them into my game. So I decided they should be an option here. So bear folk, or if you're familiar with any of the other character ancestries that are present in Cobalt Press, that is what an 86 will do. I think bear folk fits very well in my player character's version of her. She's like a half dryad. Okay. Um, but I feel like bear folk you know, works even better in this case. Cool. All right. And so then the job or role in society that Ashira, the bear folk has, is that she's like this druid. She's like a gardener out just in the remote wilderness. Yes, but not like a normal gardener. Like, you know, if you ever open up the the, the monster manual and you read like the plant entries and you're like, how did these plant creatures come into being? Mm-hmm. That is Ashira. She's a plant mom. And in some ways, plant mom is not, it's not a figurative, it's a literal, you know. She grows vine blights and corpse flowers and, you know, oh, living okay. dandelions also. In is she also making shambling mounds as well? Yes. Oh, yes. okay then. <laughs> all right all right 
So then uh, the next thing we would determine would be the age range of the character. So I know you were saying older. Did you have a number in mind or did you just want to kind of leave it vague as far as the age? How old do bear folks live? What is the age range of those? Bear folk reach maturity by age 11 and live for around 70 years. So comparable, I suppose, to average human lifespans. But a little bit lower. Okay, so I would say she's probably in her 60s then. Okay. Um, like fairly old, like you sort of look at her and you're like, I'm not, I'm not entirely positive how many more years this woman is going to live. She sort of feels impossibly old. She moves a lot easier than somebody who generally is of her age, but yeah, definitely like mid sixties. Okay. 65. All right. So now we come to the question of describe the physical appearance of Ashira. So when you think Ashira, bear folk, plant mom in her 60s in the woods somewhere what are you picturing yeah so I think that her fur is like pretty thinned out and has like patches excuse me bear patches but like (laughs) you know but her bear patches are not you don't see like their skin she's got like little bits of like moss growing a little bit here and there you know the occasional little mushroom that's like sprouting off of her you know oh like there's a little trail of ivy down her neck you know like a little eccentric looking that way I think her fur is probably like not white, because that would look like a polar bear, but like... Yeah, are you imagining very, like a like, black bear or a grizzly? Yeah, imagining like a brown, like a brown or a grizzly bear originally, but then sort of like very lightened and sort of like grayed out, patchy, um, with like an extra long snout, mm-hmm. quite quite a, a, a long snout, slightly like droopy ears. The top of her nose is like sort of like rubbed a little bit, so got rub marks. And her eyes are like quite squinty and just okay. like, you know, a little bit. Her brow is like just kind of like melted yeah. down almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But like, you know, quite still like a little bit of a smile on her face. She looks a little like scary and like unapproachable. But if you mm-hmm. get close, you're like, oh, okay. Okay, we'll be okay here. I'm reading here and it's saying that bear folk grow to be about seven feet tall when they reach adulthood and they're massive and hulking in form, weighing around 400 to 500 pounds, though their size category is considered medium. So I know you were saying your original player character is a half giant and now with the bear folk in mind. So like, is she like hunched over or is she like her full imposing height or what do we imagine? Yeah, I think I think that she's quite hunched over, has like a, a nice uh, wooden probably two, two wooden like uh, walking sticks that she sort of hunches over quite. Her her back is quite rounded and her head like sort of like stooped. Would have been quite tall when she stood up straight, but mm-hmm. it has been many years since that has happened. Little glasses. Oh, little glasses little on the glasses. end of her? All the way at the end of her very long nose. Yeah. Perfect. It's- that she has tied with like, oh. you know, some vine and some green like grasses and stuff so that they don't fall off her nose because they probably would. Or she has to do the thing where she takes them off her snoot to like place them down so she can like, you know. Yes. Ah, there we go. Clever. Yes. Like many a matron uh, that we've probably seen in real life where they just have the glasses on the chain. They take them on and off and all that good stuff. So, all right. Well, if you had to describe Ashira with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Um, I think as an eccentric, that fits. Like, 
if anybody's seen the like the rings of power the new rings of power the wizard with like the bird nest in his hair i can't remember oh that's radagast that from the hobbit radagast, trilogy thank you yes oh i'm sorry the hobbit trilogy that's right yeah i so I, that's like 10 that. years old so hopefully by now yeah. people have seen it <laughs> We did we did a rewatch of a whole pile of them in the last like three weeks. So they're all sort of like mashed together in my brain. Yeah. Right, right. A little bit like that where you sort of like look at them and you're like, huh. Yeah. Very eccentric. Very okay. eccentric. But also I think like tenacious, like this sort of stubborn tenacity. There's there's no way that you can, you know, grow sentient plants without a hefty dose of tenacity and I think given that she's old I'd say like blunt like you know I find like as I age I give a little bit a lot less care as to what people think and my grandmother my own grandmother is extremely blunt I'm looking at my own future I swear <laughs> I would have a look at her um but I, I imagine Ashira as like you know, she feels very strongly that she has earned the right to say whatever she wants. Um, and she will give you the honest truth, whether you wanted to hear it or not. The next thing that we're going to roll for is, of course, we like to give our NPCs cool stuff. So what's a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that Ashira would ascribe to? So this is a combo where you get to roll a D4 for the category and then a D6 for the particular thing. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, three. Three. Okay, so this is going to be a secret that she possesses. So now you roll a D6 and we'll figure out what's the secret that Ashira has. Two. Two. Okay, your answer was provided by our Patreon supporter, uh, Goblin Katie, a.k.a. Katie Downey. Your mother was a wizard of nefarious renown. You try to avoid people finding out she's your mother. So yeah, now that we kind of know this information about that, what how does that affect Ashira, I suppose, as a character? What does that mean for her? I think, I mean, I think that's probably why she ended up sort of in the line of work that she did. She knows, she knows a lot about magic that like she shouldn't know. She learned stuff from her. Like nobody should know how to create Shambly Mounds, okay? Like that she's just <laughs> I feel like that's what she she had got she has all this information this magical information that you know she shouldn't know from watching her mother but you know mm. didn't want to stay in towns or cities or anything like that she's out in the wilderness a little bit by herself away from any prying eyes or you know nosy questions and she can do her own thing with the knowledge that she has but for much less nefarious nefarious reasons i don't think that she necessarily feels like she has to like make up for you know her mother's nefarious reputation her mother of ill repute um <laughs> but um she does i think feel that she you know has lived with that for a long time and and doesn't want i think in the back of her mind there's always a little bit of a fear that she might that she might turn turn rogue so now oh. that she's quite a bit older, she feels quite proud of herself that she hasn't um, while still going, you know, there's, there's still time left, you know, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, I was just trying to think of how this secret of hers kind of shapes her character, but also if you're going to deploy this character in your game, what kind of implications that means for your adventure, for your world, because we have an evil bear folk wizard that was going around doing all sorts of shenanigans, and now her offspring is 
you know, just recluse in the woods and doing her own plant mom experiments on nature. Maybe, yeah, just like trying to give back to nature because of what her mom did took away from nature or something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And right, like maybe her mom is like, depending on the story, right, could be connected to like werebears um, mm. or something. There, there's probably lots of, you know, room in the story for something like that. Somehow, um, Ashira never got, never got that stick, but ended up with a lot of, a little bit like, you know, sometimes when I'm DMing or when I'm playing, right, you sort of have, you have your knowledge checks, essentially, categorized right you've got your history right your nature your arcana and that sort of stuff and right wizards have got this sort of arcana as and and history right that sort of fits in their character archetypes whereas i think mm. this you know sort of connected to druids you sort of have your arcana as it pertains to nature right and there's i like a lot of the games that i run you know nature is powerful nature itself is is incredibly powerful you know you've got the powers of the elementals you've got these huge raw raw powers so i think that her mother has had information from that and had things to do with that were then taken to the more arcane side and what ashira did it was wanting to more ground it back into nature you know trying to live life in balance and recognizing what is the role that magical plants can play in the ecosystem? What is the role that magic plants that are not like literal living plants, but let's say like arcane ingredients or alchemical ingredients or anything like that? How do those, how can we keep the magic and the knowledge of those things, but ground them into a sort of natural cycle as opposed to self-serving egotistical power? You were describing that it was making me think of since you brought up Radagast and, you know, Rings of Power and the Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and all this. It made me think of like if you contrasted like the mom character with someone like a Saruman and then she's like this Radagast character. So they're like because Saruman became tempted with power and all this stuff and yeah. industrialization and oh, I'm just going to rip up nature and Isengard and make it into this factory in this horrible place. And then you have Radagast and, you know, the other kinds of wizards that are like, no, like we're here to protect Middle Earth and like make sure it's all cool and then you know inspire the ends to rise up and smash isengard and all that stuff yeah right yeah you know it's it's sort of the idea of recognizing you know that you exist within an an ecosystem and not just at the top of a food chain you're just going to do whatever you want because you're the powerful wizard with all you know all the stuffs um but you know trying to be integrated into a sort of you know larger larger than one person perspective Although maybe with less bird poop on yeah. her hair and <laughs> And then the final thing we like to make sure we leave our NPCs with is a side quest. Everyone's got to have a side quest to offer the player character. So what's going to be a side quest or a mission that Ashira is willing to offer the player characters to go and do on her behalf? So you can roll for this randomly with a D12, or if you're inspired, you can just kind of come up with your own side quest see what the d12 gives us also yeah, because, maybe maybe we can weave it into something so yeah yeah also because d12s are my favorite dice and i never ever pass up an opportunity to roll a d12 eight eight okay interesting so your answer was provided by previous guest brian rose deliver a love letter thoughts oh, on that I, yeah I think, so first of all, I think that there are tons of obvious other side quests that, you know, 
fetch and carries and fight this thing, collect, you know, an owlbear egg because then she could use it, but she's no longer strong enough to fight an owlbear. So mm -hmm. there's all those kinds of really obvious, like there's so much low hanging fruit there, right? Mm -hmm. Go collect some, some special mushrooms that, you know, her weak knees, et cetera, et cetera. But I really like this as being a, like a, an offbeat, unexpected one, especially if you can sort of gain her trust in some way, because I think she's yeah she's old she's been living alone she's nearing the end of her life and you know I think it's natural for all of us in a situation like that to sort of be looking at those missed opportunities or the things that you never said or the life you could have lived or the opportunities you passed up etc so I think a love letter is great I think a love letter to somebody that she like loved years ago and never like never connected maybe like a fellow herbalist that she met like as a kid or something like that maybe another maybe another druid because hashtag druids for life <laughs> yeah or i was going to say is that someone who maybe used to apprentice for her mom and then when the final straw was broken and you know she was like oh, i can't be associated with my mom anymore and now she's thinking like Oh, but that guy that I left behind, he was really cute or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe somebody that like saw her mom for who she was before Ashira did. And so maybe they had a falling out, you know, while Ashira still thought, you know, the, the world of her mom still had, you know, those sort of naive rose colored glasses on. And so they mm -hmm. sort of, they got close and then it, and it, it ended in part because, you know, they had more of a backbone at that time or were more aware of what um, her mom was doing. And then sort of like the big fight the, that nobody speaks about and they lost touch. But over the, you know, the last number of years, Ashira sort of pondered that like longingly and sad, sad love. Yeah. So is it another bear folk or is it another type of individual in the nearby city or is it like another continent away or, you know, I mean, are we going to just kind of leave that up to whoever decides to use the Shira to kind of invent that or do you kind of want to leave some ideas? I always love to leave a little bit of wiggle room, but I don't want to throw anybody to the wolves, like a little bit of structure, maybe not continental, but maybe like, I think that I don't envision her living like just in the fort, like on the city outskirts, like she lives deep in the forest. And so maybe somebody who lives a couple of cities away, that would be at this point, a very difficult trek for her because, because she's old. So I think in a lot of ways, it, um, there's lots of options to pin on the story because sometimes the whole deliver a letter doesn't really make sense because just go deliver it yourself, you know, mm. but she's old. Yeah. She doesn't have the physical capacity to even go like. She can't know. send the shambling mound to go deliver the letter. Really the can't. shambling mound's going to get attacked. They are really not reliable um, in that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you imagining the reward is going to be for the side quest if uh, the players successfully deliver the letter like they're supposed to and they return to her to let her know like, hey, we did it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of actually options there because, you know, I feel like she could be, she's, she's like a lot, like a walking library of a particular kind of knowledge. So if there is like, there's some, like some deep lore that the characters need to know or some answers that don't make sense or like old mysteries, there's so much potential for that. She's also 
if there's anybody um, in the group who's got alchemy or magic items or like, I feel like she's got a whole, <laughs> I feel like she's got like a whole cellar full of like keto men's ointments and right healing potions and other potions, but also like super esoteric, like magical ingredients, right? Like sort of like the very rare, like slash legendary ingredients to make all kinds of things. So if there's any sort of reward in that case, I think that that would totally go. Of course, if anybody wants to apprentice with her um, for a while or share that kind of knowledge, that would be something that she could potentially do. And I also feel like, like she has this like room in the house full of like other random things that do not fit any other thing. Like I feel like she has also collected over the years, like random things from other travelers that don't really necessarily make sense. Like your occasional like tinkering thing or like weird gemstones or like awkward books or like whatever. I feel like you could roll on the most awkward and weird and random like trinket table and like that would be her kitchen and then if the players fail to deliver the letter they they never return to report on it what's going to be the consequence of that is there going to be a rise in plant attacks (laughs) um i don't think i think that she would be very careful like any sort of consequence with her would be something that would not touch or affect other people. I think that she would be very cognizant of sort of like innocent lives and and innocent people. But I I actually feel like she probably knows like a little bit of like hag type stuff and probably like as a precautionary measure, you know, gets, um, you know, maybe not a fingernail because I think she'd have a hard time doing that instantly. you know, surreptitiously, but, Mm -hmm. you know, is able to pop a hair off and sort of. Oh yeah. She can have the plants totally when they're first getting there, the plants are just secretly secreting away like a hair or something like that. The dandelion, the dandelion just sort of goes and from behind her and uh, yeah. And grabs it. I I don't think she does like like a deep, like really, really bad curse, but I think the kind of like mayor socks always manage to find the puddle to to get wet in and like those kind of really, really inconvenient and potentially dangerous things. But, you know, I don't think she's it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I feel like a, you know, low level hag curse would probably be something that she would do if it was something like if the failure was something like, on the letter something that important if you're gonna do it and you and you muck up on that you know if it's just a random other little side quest i think that i don't think she'd be quite as i think she at her age is used to people you know failing and and sees that as a a thing that just happens in life but the letter i think if you fail on that i think you're probably yeah getting a low level head curse on you (laughs) So does Ashira have a particular accent or language that she uses? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how they act or speak? She has a, a Dutch or German accent. That is that is what she has. And she will slap the le- her leg or slap a table to like uh, for emphasis, like ah, or you know, that that sort of a thing, but uh, a, a sort of a, a guttural, a guttural accent. For sure. So what impact has Ashira made on the world? How has Ashira shaped the local area? I think I think that's really interesting because now we have this character whose like mother dabbled in this dark magic and now who's like hidden the area and she's like growing strange plants, including like living ones. Like that has to affect an area, 
like this character doing these things. So I feel like there's probably, like I feel like there's got to be rumors and stories in the area, like, and like these conflicting like legends about like, well, I heard and, you know, my great grandmother says that if she looks at you, you know, you're going to turn into a plant or like. So kind of like Baba Yaga stories or something like that. Yeah. 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 There's got to be, you know, there's got to be like, don't go into the deep dark woods because, you know, the dangerous witch lives there, you know, very, very sort of stereotypical of that. Um, But also I think probably hushed tones about like the family like mm. you know like a little bit of like nobody really talks about that and especially if there's like bare folk communities like in the general area probably a lot of like like we just like we don't talk about bruno yeah style, no no right? no yeah no 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 <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna be singing that song tonight now um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's got to be these sort of like local legends um and stories you know, and like warning stories, like that parents, right? If, you know, if you don't clean up your room tonight, I'm going to put you out, you know, and Asher is going to get you, you know, something like something, you know, right? Like, right. They're like, oh, no, no, we'll do everything you ask. Yes, parents, of right? course. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So what are the goals and motivations of Ashira as a character? I think that probably she also has a bit of a goal and like motivation like in addition to all this sort of like old age stuff and like lost love and obviously continuing her work as long as she can. I think that there's also a a part of her that regrets not having someone to pass her knowledge down to. And so I think that if there's any characters like in the party that, you know, are druids or have like a, a rangers or have like a nature background or are trained in like medicine or nature, herbalism or alchemy or anything like that, mm-hmm. I think that there's a part of her that would really like to be able to pass some of that stuff along um, okay. and, and teach and teach that. I think she would love to have a, a bit of a like apprentice, you know, for just like short times. Um, as long as she's still alive, you know, to spend a little bit of downtime, you know, if you can get past her, all the crazy stories and all the, you know, the scary legends about her. Um, Yeah, so kind of like a Yoda figure almost. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, (laughs) a little bit like that, you know, Um, but that would be sort of like a probably a side of her that would sort of come with building a little bit of trust or working with her, probably see that a little bit later on. Probably not first conversation or first five minute stuff. All right. Well, we've learned so much about Ashira now that I think it's time we throw her into a random encounter. This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They've been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in DFW, and they've got an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a mini for you. Every time you shop with them and spend $40, $50 on a purchase, especially coming up here to the holiday season, Reaper is going to throw in a cool new mini of the month. And especially around the Christmas season, it's very gingerbread, candy canes, and Krampus sorts of miniatures that you might get. So all the more reason and incentive to go shop with them online. 
course, you've heard me talk about the Reaper Miniatures Bones 6 Tales from the Green Griffin Kickstarter they did. You know, that's already wrapped up. But if you want to get involved and get some sweet, sweet minis, be sure to go to the Kickstarter and join in through the backer kit so you too can still get a truckload of minis when they get released in uh, the next year or so. And of course, if you want to donate to a worthy cause and help out and you want to get a cool mini all at the same time, be sure to check out the Nightingale Bird Bard mini that they've created. It costs $9.99 and of that $7.50 gets allocated towards UNICEF relief efforts towards the conflict in Ukraine. So if you want to visit my website or go check out the show notes below, you can use my referral code link when you go to shop with Reaper in order to help support Psychics and PsyQuest at the very same time. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic we send their way, the more that our Texas powers combine. And again, I have to thank Reaper Miniatures for all the gift cards that they've tossed my way, especially this holiday season. If you're looking for something cool to give your friends and family, why not give them the gift of a cool new mini? And you can use my link to go get that cool new mini. So again, go check out the link below and be sure to follow them on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right, so this is the segment where we have a random encounter, uh, a little role play, a little vignette with the character that we've made here today. So obviously, I think Alyssa would do a wonderful job being Ashira, you know, hashtag druid life. Um, but the question becomes, who am I going to be in the scene? Am I going to be, are we doing like a flashback scene with like her mom? Are we doing the flashback with like uh, the lost love? Or am I going to be one of my um, podcast adventure characters stumbling upon uh, Ashira and taking on the side quest or what kind of scene are you interested in kind of showcasing her off? Maybe I'm one of the plant creatures. Who knows? It's whatever kind of scene you're interested in. Oh gosh. There's just there's just so many great, great possibilities there, isn't there? Um I think you can pick. <laughs> oh, you want I me to pick? Apparently, who do you want to be? Apparently I can't make this decision tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, well, okay. So if you want me to be one of my adventurer characters, we got five to choose from. I'll try and list them off real quick. So we got Duncan. He's the happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. We've got Sonia, the warrior woman who multi-classed a paladin. We've got Korak, the lawful, evil, arcane trickster, roguish dwarf. We've got Chrisley, who is the shy herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid, who then multi-classed into cleric. And then we have a new one, Orion, who is a astral elf illusionist wizard. I mean, the outdoors one is, is obvious, but uh, a new astral character also sounds interesting. So either one of those two sounds great. Okay. Uh, do you want to, I don't know, do you want to roll for it and see which one? Sure. Evens are odds. Evens sure. is the, evens is the uh, druid guy. Uh, druid. Yeah, it's an old growth forest with ginormous wide trees, the kinds of which um, we don't have enough of anymore. Um, there's lots of walking room between the trees, but they're like, they tower and they droop. And so the whole sort of forest area is quite dark. There is a, uh, like an opening in the glade where the sunlight sort of streams ahead. Um, and you can see sort of through through the large trees, the, the gentle breeze. Um, you think it's maybe the gentle breeze, but you're not entirely positive because as you get closer, you realize that the plants that you think are, are swaying in the breeze may in fact be 
uh, swaying gently of their own accord. There is a home that is built of like an assortment of natural, uh, like natural woods and fibers um, and like plants woven in there, but it's not like a log cabin or like a wood building. It is uh, like an eclectic array. Like, I think we all have like somebody in our community or our family who like builds things out of 18,000 different parts. It's like that, but a house. There is this sound of leaves moving that doesn't sound just like leaves. It's almost like it has an undertone of like weird whisperings and um, subtle clicks and um, the occasional like bird call that doesn't totally sound like a bird. And you see sort of in the center of this clearing with these all manner of different plants growing. Um, and not all of them are green. There are some very obvious plants that are recognizable, but there are um, varieties of plants that you've never seen and like varieties of like plants that you have seen, but this variety you haven't, you know, like seeing bright purple corn stalks, etc. And sort of in the middle of that, you see this figure sort of stooped into the ground, digging and muttering under her breath as a, let's do a dandelion, like a, uh, a two foot tall dandelion is handing her like tools back and forth. And so after her last adventure with uh, the collector, Chrisley was feeling the call to go back into nature. And so she started wandering. So she kept wandering and wandering and she eventually found herself in this old growth forest. And so with her now also serving the living memory at times, she's found herself just, it almost seems like as if she can trance while she's awake. So she can walk like these long distances and cover these vast expanses of land and stuff like that. And before long, it's like she snaps out of a trance as she's like, you know, subconsciously taking in all the stuff. So that way she's able to reproduce the art later because she's out here trying to collect information on nature. And it's like she she stops her trance at the right time as she comes to the clearing and she looks out and she's perplexed for a second because she thinks like, surely this is like I've somehow ended up back in the Feywild. But she takes a moment to get her bearings and she's like, well, no, actually, these are not. And so she's like, she's beginning to softly mutter to herself and she's like pointing at things and she's speaking in druidic. So she's like, this is what that plant is. But then this is that plant. And she's like getting, she's getting more giddy and excited. And so she's just walking through and she's like looking at things and like indicating to plants. And it's almost like, you know, you know, the plants are responding to her and they seem to like welcome her. I would, I would hope. And I suppose, unless the plants are like immediately hostile to anyone that's not a Shira. No, I don't think they're hostile immediately. I think the plants are a little bit ambivalent, um, but at the sound of druidic, I think Ashira's, you can't see it, but her forehead sort of furrows a little bit because she's maybe not sure if she's hearing things. She's little, she doesn't hear very well anymore. And then when she hears it for the second time, she goes, hey, what's, what's that? Who did Oh. Oh, uh, and, and just, uh, hello. Uh, and so she'll she'll come closer and she'll approach uh, Ashira. She keeps a, a berth and she is very deferential to elders. And so she'll like do a very uh, uh, polite uh, 
bow and in druidic she'll continue and she'll say oh is is this is this your uh ward your glade of uh, 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 that you protect and guard uh yes mm-hmm oh mm-hmm. she sort of just like nods and just she looks a little confused like um yeah and oh, oh. Well, hello. Uh, m- well, my name is is Chrisley. I- I'm from the Wode, and uh, I'm I'm observing and, and documenting nature. And I I thought for a moment I had wandered into the Feywild, but uh, but no. Last I checked, we're here in the the Prime Material Plane. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. This is this is the actual Material Plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? Oh, she like leans forward a little bit and sort of like waves her one of her canes sort of emphatically at her. Oh, and, uh, you know, so Chrisley takes a moment to stop and, like, you see her focus on you, and you, you know, you can see her eyes begin to shift, like, a bunch of different shades of color, and she, like, as freezes for a moment, and then she, like, snaps too, and then she's like, oh, you're one of the bear folk. Wow. I don't think I've met one yet, but, but wow. And then, you know, she begins to say things, like, about bear folk culture, like, you know, this is, you know, she said out loud, like, this is her first time meeting you. But at the same time, she's like saying like everything that she would know, like the most intimate things about bear folk culture. Uh, yeah, well, I am not really much of a bear folk in that way. You know, I, I do, she slaps her knee. I do my own thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, forgive me. Sorry. Um, you'll see she gestures to a grimoire that she has on her hip and she pulls it up and she'll say, sorry, one of the gifts of living memory that I am now also a cleric for allows me to have a vast wealth of knowledge uh, at, at my uh, fingertips, as it were. And she chuckles um, and then she, and she'll look around and she'll say, this is just, ah, it's just a very lovely, beautiful place. And um, yeah. And she'll maybe notice, like, you know, she's getting uh, impatient or, like, just, you know, more uh, agitated with uh, Chrisley's otherwise demeanor. She'll be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being rude, but do, do you do you need help with something? Can can I be of service to you? Well, I mean, maybe. She sort of, like, narrows her eyes and gives her, like, a really good hard look. And she sort of, sort of like, leans back a little and crosses her arms and you go, so... You really have no idea. You didn't, you just, you just happened to come here. You, you like knowledge, but like, for what? Oh, well, um. Who are you? Tell me about your actual self before I decide if I want to like entrust you to my precious plants and my space because, hmm, there are many people who have come through these doors and Y'all are not always very good. And uh, so immediately it's almost like she, you know, it's like she's a little kid again. And so she just begins to tell you the whole story of like, she's Chrisley. She's from the Wode. She was chosen to go out into the world and explore it and document it. And then she met Pathos Anthropoi of the Zotani. And so he was the last priest of the Zotani. And so now that's why she's this cleric. And now she has this access to living memory. And so she's trying to like do her part to like still do her original charge, but also she's trying to do her part to help like preserve and build up the Zotani uh, culture and religion and people once again. Um, So, you know, maybe she goes really, really fast, um, but she tries to like download all that information to you uh, as quickly and as deferentially as she can. 
think while Chrisley is talking, like the little dandelion is sort of like behind Asherah, but was like poking its little like yellow flower head like between her knees and around and like it pops up on her shoulder and like looks above her shoulder. Um, the dandelion, I think, is very excited to meet Chrisley. She's the dandelion is a little more impressed than, oh, okay. uh, than Asherah is. Yeah, and so then she'll finish her story and be like, and and that is my uh, and that is my tale, and um, I, I hope I'm worthy of your trust now, uh, my my elder. Well, <clears throat> you strong? You can like lift things. Uh, yes, yes. And you look at her, and you see she's like outfitted. She's got a mixture of different scraps of gear, whether it's hide or metals or other things. And so she's, you know, she's a competent adventurer, and. She's like, yeah, I, yeah, if you, manual labor, sure, I, I, yeah, I can help. Well, excellent. So there's a little cliff, you follow, follow the stream behind my house, and there's a little cliff, if you follow it, nice clay of rocks, and in there is a cave. And if you go into the back of the cave, there's actually a family of flare snails that live there. And I need myself some of the flare snail goo, because they sort of like eat they eat to the ground, right? And then they, they sort of leave a nice little shiny, shiny iridescent thing. And do you have any idea how excellent a fertilizer that is? Uh, and she'll she'll quickly sit there and her eyes flash and she'll be, you know, kind of like a matrixing of like, I know Kung Fu. She's like, oh, oh yes, yes, very potent. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. My supply is running a little bit low and well, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. And and I'm not as spry as I used to be. And also, there, uh, there's, I mean, there's occasionally some owl bears that live close there, and and so they are not always as nice and as happy to see me as I am to see them. So, mm. I could use some help there. And then also, I have a number of trees that need to be replanted and repotted, so you can dig some holes. And she just like begins to go and like list off this like laundry list of things like okay. you know it's basically uh she starts off with like that and then goes into like a large honeydew list basically okay chrisley's gonna take an opportunity to roll an insight check and as she's listening to her um you know this is like the cleric thing coming into play and so as she lets her finish we'll say she rolls really well because of the fact of living memory and all this stuff we'll say she does extremely well on her insight check and she'll be like um but but pardon me uh, uh, ma'am, but, but I don't, I think you need help with something else. I mean, sure, I can help with all these other things, but that's not really what's weighing on your heart right now, is it? Ashira sort of, like, stops and sort of goes silent and looks at Chrisley for, in silence, like, one or two seconds too long, mm -hmm. uh, slightly uncomfortable, and then sort of sighs and, like, um, hobbles to a fallen uh, like log that's been sort of made into a nice little bench and sort of carved nice for her old woman body and uh, sits down there and sort of sighs and just sort of looks out into the the forest and the trees for a minute or two and um, she will uh, I think it's just oh I rolled an 18 so yes um, she will actually pull out one of the letters from her side satchel. Um, she keeps it on her all the time, which is incredibly impractical. And yet she does it anyways, because 
you know, she's never sure when she's going to die. And she certainly would like to make sure that somebody finds that, you know, eventually and, and hands it off. So she doesn't want to just want to leave that chance. That's always on her. Mm. And uh, she pulls it out and sort of holds it in her lap and fidgets with the corner of the sealed envelope for a couple of seconds and says, have a letter that, well, you know, probably should have written it. 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but well, I was very stubborn in those years. And then I blinked and now I'm old because time, it just, it just goes by so fast sometimes. Yeah, you keep, you keep that in mind, eh? You think you're so young and spry now, but just you wait, just you wait. Chrisley will internally monologue thing to herself of like, you know, how her first hundred or so years has been, but she's not going to say anything out loud in front of this elder. <laughs> Asher doesn't even notice. She is generally very insightful and perceptive, but is too lost in her own thoughts and, uh, and emotions at the moment and, and says, and well, I have this letter to somebody very important. But I need to, if I give it to you, you actually have to deliver it, hey? Oh, you actually, course. I need to know, I need to know that you not just take the letter and disappear with it because if something happens to it and it doesn't go and it's not with me and it's not with him, then, well, then we have a problem, hey? Yes, of course. Okay. Can you be trusted? Sort of Most assuredly, yes. Intent. Yes, and, and Chris Lee's being completely 100% serious and genuine. Sure sees that with her naturally high perception and insight as a druid and uh can see her body just like relax just a little bit and she sort of sinks a little bit deeper into uh into the log reaches an arm out and and says his name is alex and he is a gardener at the university at least he was as far as I know, he's still the gardener at the university. Yeah. If you are very nice to him, he will tell you all kinds of very, very nice stories. He is a much better storyteller than me. Yeah. Yeah. But you actually must go and you must come back to me and let me know that you actually did. Okay? Yes. Yes, of course. Do not get lost on the way. Well, uh, I can't. And she like she motions at the grimoire and holds it open a page. And you can see on this particular page, there's an image of her, like showing her perspective, her walking through the woods. And then it shows her emerging into the glade. She's like, I can't forget. It's it's part of me now. Closes the book, puts it back to her side. Shira mutters underneath her breath about like young kids these days and their fancy books and they can't even get lost. And what else are they going to come up with? Okay, and so then from there, um, you know, she promises to come back and do everything else that she needs. Chrisley will say it's good motivation, you know, for her to want to come back and help out with all these chores and various other things she needs help with. Um, but she'll take the letter um, and then she will return back uh, to the Royal University and uh, and go deliver the letter. And Ashira just sort of nods and finishes off and says, you know, yeah, you do that and you show yourself to be competent and trustworthy and loyal and then i i will have i will have some things to tell you and to show you and you can write in your book that nobody else knows no one else in the whole world 
know some of the things that I know. You don't even know. You don't even know what you don't know, young one. And scene. All right. Well, we just had the random encounter. So what did you think of the experience of getting to be a Shira? Yeah, she's really fun. Um, yeah, my character that she's sort of loosely based off of is her name is Zuri, and she's a a spore a spore druid. Um, but I like Ashira even more. I think I'm I'm definitely gonna yoink her and put her in a game in a probably a an area. I'm gonna build an entire forest around her. I think that's what we love on this podcast: people to get inspired and then be like, "All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and put this character in my game and build a whole mythology now." All right. Well, we're starting to get into final thoughts of the show. So, you know, any other concluding thoughts or feedback or critiques or anything like that? I always, you know, this is the part to voice those, I suppose. Uh, This was a lot of fun. This is so great. I will say that um, like uh, NPCs and side quests are not they're not my forte in that I tend to easily forget about them. I think as a dungeon master, I tend to focus in lo- like on locations because I love exploration. And then suddenly I'm like, oh no, I, I don't have any people here. And then mm-hmm. I have to sort of like backtrack. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm the DM, I always forget to run my NPCs. I like, I just, they just, they're the first thing that flies out of my head when I'm thinking about all the other stuff. That's the like, that's the first plate that I drop is the NPCs. And yet there's so much fun. I love building them and I love using them. So something that I am learning to do, that's like my weakest link as a DM, um, even though it's like one of the best parts. So, you know, there's always, there's always room for learning and growing and getting better at things. And so I love this. This is just a great exercise. Great exercise. Well, you know, I'm just trying to do my humble part to, you know, give to the community and, you know, have everyone be able to have a whole rotation or a whole catalog of NPCs that they could get and they can tweak them however they need them. So if you need a plant lady for your forbidding forest, but you don't want to make it a hag or anything like that, just drop a Shira into your game and uh, let the players be razzle dazzled with her. The very final moments, the thing I like to do is always leave the microphone, the stage, the platform, the soapbox to my guests. So whatever you've got to plug, where can we find you online? Where can we buy all your great stuff? And, uh, and all that sort of kind of stuff. And if there's any passions or causes or anything like that, let us know. Fantastic. So I'm Alyssa Vischer. I am on Twitter at, at Alyssa Vischer. And yes, my name has got a couple of extra letters because I do have a Dutch background, V-I-S-S-C-H-E-R. Uh, I swear Dutch just puts extra letters in there just for, just for funsies. I don't know, but I am, that is my, that is my first platform. Um, you will also find me on uh, writing for D&D Beyond occasionally. Um, I've got a really fun article coming up in a couple of weeks that I'm just in the middle of writing on, and it is very relevant to characters and NPCs, so definitely check that out. Um, I am on the DMs Guild, as we talked about. My first Adventure Fates, Lingering Shadow, has gotten to silver, and it's gotten really, really great um, reviews and feedback so far. Um, and I am currently also in the middle of uh, writing. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be such a fun adventure. I'm writing an adventure for um, at Zipperon Disney. Uh, he's got a big YouTube channel, and we're uh, writing uh, a, an adventure for him, loosely based on Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, mm. You have to climb up a beanstalk. Go. Uh, there's a family of 
definitely not care bears. They're the caring clan of a species of small bears that live in clouds and drive cloud vehicles. It is definitely distinct completely from the Care Bears. And then you've got to go into a giant's castle and find the loot and try to escape the giant and go home. So look for that. Hopefully in December is when it should be releasing. Other than that, I would love to hear from you, uh, especially if you use uh, Ashira in your games. Come and let me know at uh, Alyssa Fisher on Twitter. Um, and tell me all about your NPCs, your exploration, and your side quests, because I think the best creativity is everybody else. Everybody else in the community has, I swear, better ideas than those of us who are in the microphone. So come and share them with us, because we need them just as much as you need ours. Awesome. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for your time, and uh, can't wait to have you back on the show to make more NPCs. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for side kq podcast i would love to talk DD and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our npcs discussions and commentary if you would like to hail the bod simply send an email to sidekicks and sidequests at gmail.com to help this show be the resource it's meant to be i ask that you please leave a review on itunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychos is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Four. Psychics, psychoes.